Jamasiki. Say Jama like pajamas. Jama. Siki. Now put it together. Jamasiki. Okay, let's practice. Jamasiki. It means praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You say, well, I don't really care. I know English. There's 1.4 billion people in India. There's only 300 million in America. So if you're selling a product, if you get like 10% of the population to buy your product in India, you're going to do really well. That's why Apple is a lot more concerned about the cell phone sales in China than they are in America. Luke chapter 4. Healer. Good morning. So good to see you. Some homework for those students and below. If you're in high school and, and younger, here's some homework, okay? Kiddos, you listening up? When you get in the car, hopefully you rode together, but uh, if not, just when you see your parents later today, they're going to ask you a question. What did you learn today uh, in worship? And then you need to be ready to tell them at least one thing that you learned, okay? Cool beans? Got it? Cole? You got it? Got that? So moms and dads, if you can, sometime today, say, hey, what did you learn in worship? Now, students, if uh, you do not get asked that question, then you need to nudge your mom or dad, say, hey, aren't you supposed to ask me a question? Okay? And we'll see, see what happens. Healer. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. We're going to start in verse 31. And we're going to read through verse 40, uh, I mean 37, 37. 31 through 37 is one story, one uh, gospel event, and then we'll see in the second half of the, the scripture, uh, the end of chapter 4, an, an entirely different uh, story, a, a separate gospel event, okay? Verse 31. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we are your people gathered in your name, surrounding uh, your word. So, Father, I pray right now that you would eliminate any distraction. God, that you would be glorified through the reading of your word, through the teaching of your word. God, that you would speak to us as individuals, us as 
a collective body. Lord, would you remind us today that you are the great physician. God, you are a healer. There's none like you. And Lord, I ask that if that's not reality for someone in the house today, Lord, that you would grip their heart. God, that you would open their eyes. You would speak to them. You would draw them to yourself. God, I pray that you would break chains in this place in the name of Jesus. It's in that name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one, we see that the words of Jesus astonish. The words of Jesus astonish. It says they went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, as they, and they were astonished at his teaching. Why? Who cares? Why were they astonished? Because his word possessed authority. His word possessed authority. He spoke like he was God. They were astonished. They were amazed. They were astounded. They were blown away because God showed up. They were blown away because this man not only claimed to be God, but he was God. There was something about the way they looked at him. There's something about the way that he talked. There's something about the words that he shared. There was a presence about him that they could feel. The words of Jesus astonish. Who expects God to show up in person? John chapter 7, there's a story where the officers had been instructed to bring Jesus to the Pharisees. And so the officers showed up without Jesus. And they said, why did you not bring him? And listen to what they said. Luke chapter 7, verse 45. They said, no one has ever spoken like this man. Because he's God. The words of Jesus astonish And so Jesus shows up, there's a man who's unclean, he has a demon inside of him. Although we don't talk about uh, spiritual warfare a lot in America, but we need to. Now, to be transparent, the enemy works very differently in the United States than he does perhaps in a third world country. They're still the enemy's minions here just as much, but they manifest themselves a little differently. Why? Well, probably because most of the United States don't believe in spiritual warfare in the first place. They don't believe in the spirit realm. Because if they did, if the devil's real and his minions, guess what that means? That God's real. And we don't want that. We don't want that, because if that's true, that means we have to answer to somebody. That means that this life is not about us, it's about Him. It means you just can't stroll into church on Sunday morning, do your religious thing, and then go about your day. Now, a lot do. That's why our nation is filled with all kinds of problems, because we are a sinful nation. But even in the midst of that, Jesus is still here. He's in the land, and He still heals. And he's here today, and he's come to heal somebody somewhere in the house. Maybe all of us. 
But this demon in Luke 4 is interesting. Look what he says. Verse 33, the end of it says, He cried out with a loud voice, Ha! Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, as I was preparing and studying this, I noticed something about this demon. He was so self-centered. Notice the language. Look what the... Now, Jesus didn't come really for the demon. He came to worship the Lord, right? He came to teach. He came to proclaim the gospel. He really wasn't concerned about this little, uh, this little punk demon. But look at the attitude of this demon. What have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You see, the demon thought church was all about him. He thought it was about him. Sadly, many times a day, we're more like the demon than anybody in this story. We come to church and we think it's about us. We want the pastor to share a cool story. We hope Corey sings a cool song. We hope it doesn't rain. At the end of the day, none of this is about us. It's about the Lord, the utmost high God, who rules and reigns and who deserves all of our worship, all of our lives, all of our praise. When it's all said and done, only the Lord's name is going to be in lights. Nobody else. Not yours, not mine. Not Billy Graham's. One name. Jesus. He's going to be the only one standing on the podium. And that's a good thing for me and you. We're so inundated with entertainment that it's killing us. It is killing us. It's, it's stifling our, our lives. Entertainment in our culture has been created to, uh, to please, to really for a way for us to be lifted and encouraged and praised. Friend, worship is the opposite of that. It's all about us praising the Lord, lifting up His name. He alone deserves the glory because he's God. Jesus in the story, he didn't have time for the distractions from the enemy. He wasn't going to allow for it. And so he simply says, be silent and come out. He says, shut up and come out of that dude. <laughs> shut up and come out. When the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits. Number two, number two. The words of Jesus have ultimate authority. The words of Jesus have ultimate authority. A few weeks ago, we, some of us were at the swearing-in ceremony of Judge Trent Favre in Hancock County, our new, uh, he really is two judges in one. 
youth court judge and also a county judge. And I couldn't help but see all of these judges walk in with all their garb. And man, it was awesome. It was so cool. And I thought, you know, one day, every judge in America is going to bow down to the ultimate supreme judge of the universe. And they will have to give an answer. The words of Jesus have ultimate authority. He commands unclean spirits. He has the audacity to tell human beings where they should go and what they should do. We don't like that. We don't like that. He has ultimate authority. Because he has ultimate authority, that means he has the last word. Now this should encourage you. Not the government. They don't have the last word. Not that sickness in your life. Not that addiction in your life. Not what you think about yourself. Not even you has the last word. The Lord has the final word. That should encourage your socks off. No matter how many speeding tickets you have, when it's all said and done, the Lord has the final say. And you may go into heaven broke as a joke. And your record on earth may be horrible, but if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're clean. You'll be free. And you can even be free spiritually, internally, on earth. You still might have to pay a lot of money and be in debt until you go to heaven. But you can be free. The words of Jesus have ultimate authority. And whether we believe that this morning, it's still true. If he has authority over us, it means he's our Lord, he's our Father, it means he has the right to tell us what to do. He has the right, he's God. He's the king of all kings. That means he tells us where we go and where we live. Anything we do, we need to ask permission from him. We don't think like that, do we? That's so different. We think he exists for us. Well, God's there so that we can be happy and so that, so that we can live our lives. That's not, that's not it. That may be American Christianity. But when you come to know Jesus, what happens? You repent, you turn away, and you put your faith in the Lord, right? And you receive him as your Lord. And Lord, you know what that means? That means he's Lord of it all. Your life's not your own. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Take up your cross. In Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago in Rome, you know what the cross stood for? The electric chair. Our modern version of the electric chair, the gas chamber, or, uh, whatever. Think about that. He said, you take up your electric chair and follow me. Is that a picture of your life today? Is, is that what your life's about? 
daily dying to yourself and following the Lord. That is where freedom comes from. That is where power comes from. That is where the abundant life comes from. We lose our life and we find it. Do you know that life today? Do you know that peace? Well, I believe in Jesus. The demons believe and they shudder. You know, when I got married to my beautiful bride, Allison, I believe in her. She's wonderful. I like to sing to her, although I never did that. I like to sing to her. I do now. Yeah, I got the ring now, it's, you know. But what if I just said, you know, I like her and I'll go out to eat with her and, you know, sometimes I'll buy her some candy. But never marry her. Then I wouldn't be committed to her. I had to stand before pastor. I had to stand before God Almighty. Will you take this woman to be your wife? And what happened? I will. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. The, the bride is the church. So friend, you may have walked an aisle. You may have said, I believe in Jesus. But it's very possible for today, you not to know the Lord as your, your God. You might not be born again. But my mom told me I was. It doesn't matter what your mom said. What matters is what the Lord says. You say, well, I'm confused and I'm unsure. God doesn't want you to be confused. He doesn't want you to be unsure. He wants you to know for a fact that you're going to heaven. That's why he gave us the book of 1 John. He wants you to know. He wants you to know that you've been born again, that you've been set free, that you've been forgiven, clean. You say, well, I'm unsure. Come up here right at the end of the service and we can find out. We can nail this down forever. Faith. Just a little bit. And what Christ did on the cross. He died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And three days later, he rose again, just as he said he would. And when he rose again, he disarmed Satan. The enemy is totally vanquished. Totally defeated. The words of Jesus have ultimate authority. Number three, the words of Jesus were shared in every town. Look what happens in verse 37. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now, what do you notice about that verse? Look at it. Reports about him went into, out into every place in the surrounding region. It means every community in the Galilee region surrounding the Sea of Galilee. The word there, uh, reports, you see it? The Greek word there is 
Echos, ecos, ejos. It sounds like Spanish, ejos. It's where we get our English word echo from. Echo. An echo is what? It starts one place and it just keeps going. Have you guys ever listened to the train in the bay? You ever listen to it at night when there's not many cars out? And you go outside your house and you hear that train and you can hear it before the horn starts going. You just hear the rumble, hear the power. And then they blow the horn, the infamous horn that keeps us up at night, wakes up our babies right after they go to sleep. And it's loud. I mean, and they just, they, they pull the horn like over and over and over. Why? Because people on the Mississippi Gulf Coast do not realize there's a train and people keep running into the train. So they have to do that. The over and over and over. Seriously, there's like a train wreck every week on the coast. Never make fun of the school bus drivers because they stop the bus and look both ways. That horn, it echoes through the trees. It echoes through the houses. It echoes through the neighborhood. And that's what it was like when the words of Jesus, they went person to person in every place. Every place in in this, every village. In other words, there was no community around the Sea of Galilee where the people were not hearing about the words of Jesus. Today, that's still God's plan A for getting the message of the gospel out. People sharing it with other people. Spreads fast. And with social media, it should spread even faster. His words are powerful. So now I have a homework assignment for the adults this week. The words of Jesus spread throughout. So how incredible would it be if just this week we all make a commitment together. If you do social media, if you don't, praise God, don't start, you're free. Enjoy life. But if you do social media, it can be a great, great thing. Billy Graham used social media and the internet before other people started doing that. I mean, he was, they were so far ahead of the curve. But how incredible would it be if this week, maybe once a day or about, those of us at our church that, that do social media sometimes, you post a verse. Just post a scripture. Just wherever you, whatever, you know, whatever's on your heart, whatever you find, just find a verse and just post it. And then after you post it, put hashtag... FBC, BSL, spread the word. I know that was a long hashtag. We'll, um, we'll send it out from our social media accounts at our church. Just post a verse, hashtag 
FBC, BSL, spread the word. And if we do that, the devil's going to hate it. He's going to be so mad. And I'm all for ticking him off. Aren't you? You should be. Not because it's personal or we need to think about him, but just because when great things happen unto the Lord, when people are set free, when people come to know Christ, that's good reason for him to be upset. Can we do that, church? Bad idea? Think's a bad idea, don't do it. You're free. You're, you're, it's great. I have so many thoughts going through my mind about social media, and I'm not going to say it. Well, I will say it. It's like everything great in our life we have to post because we want somebody to see. Now, that's just human nature. We want to tell people when something great happens to us, don't we? But I'm afraid that we've gotten to where every single time something great happens, we have to post it. And then you're seeing Generation Z really struggle with this because they've done it their whole life. They have to be validated by other people. They have to. Like they, it's like crack. Like they have to have it. If they do something cool, they have to find their phone, they have to take the perfect picture and post it. We noticed some teenage girls, uh, I think it was yesterday, yeah, we were in Slidell and uh, they had this, this awesome ice cream. But they didn't get to enjoy it. They didn't get to enjoy it because they were t- spending all their time trying to hold their ice cream cone perfect to take a picture. I don't know about you, but I don't like melted ice cream. And sometimes we need to just relax, get off that thing, and taste and see that the Lord's good. Like, we don't have to be slaves to a device. And anything that we cannot do without, it's an idol in our life. Anything. I had to cut back Mountain Dew Code Red because it was going to kill me. So now I just drink like once a week. Actually, last week, I don't think I drank one at all. I'm so proud of myself. That means I get to drink two this week. Right, Allison? No? Next, we see that the words of Jesus have the power to heal. So there's the first story. Now here's the second. He arose in verse 38. He arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Different setting, different place. Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. You see that? He just talked to the fever, and it left. Who can do that except for God? And immediately, she arose and began to serve him. She just jumped out of the bed. Okay, that's over. Let's go. Jesus, would you like some tea? Jesus, let me shut these uh, curtains, close these curtains on this window so the thousands of people trying to peek in, you can have some privacy. 
Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick. Now here's just a little Bible tip. Whenever you see the word all in the Bible, it means all. It means all. All those who had any uh, sickness, any people who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them. Now you see the word every, another Bible tip. When it says every, it means every, all of them, every one of them, and he healed them. He healed every single case of the flu. He healed every single physical impairment. Even if you had some arthritis, hey Jesus, can you check this out? Even if it may be minimal or if it's drastic, he healed them all. You see this God? You see this man named Jesus? Verse 41, and demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The words of Jesus have the power to heal. He stood over her and he rebuked the fever. And it left. It left. It means he took the fever. And he threw it out. Quick story I want to share about a, a song that was written. An Australian man a few years ago, and this will be the last thing, we'll wrap it up. An Australian man named Mike was dying with cancer. And he wrote a song. He was terminally ill. He wrote the song titled Healer. And it shot to the top of the Christian charts. Churches all over the world began to sing it until they found out that the story that he was telling was a lie. The story that he had been sharing, this guy was going to Hillsong concerts with the oxygen tank on, standing up, sharing this story, singing this song, and it was all a lie. It was made up. He was a fraud. He completely fabricated this story. And so whenever this news came out, they pulled the song, the videos, off of YouTube. Uh, they pulled it through many music um, channels or worship leaders found their music. They still have it out today. But for a while, you couldn't find it. Churches stopped singing it. They stopped talking about it. Now even this morning, just sharing that story, there's probably a little bit of 
animosity between you and this guy named Mike, this guy, this brother in Australia. But what if God was doing something larger than healing Mike or even what Mike was thinking? You see, Mike was severely addicted to pornography. It was killing him. By the way, new studies are coming out recently that pornography is more addictive than heroin and alcohol. It's doing something to the brain that we've never seen before. You see, Mike thought that his song was about a physical healing. But really, deep down, it was the Spirit in God Almighty crying out for total restoration. Not just physical healing, but all of it. To be restored back to the Lord. For restoration of the soul. And so what happened is that Mike finally confessed. And now, this morning, despised by men... Hear me, church. Despised by men. Can you imagine this guy going to church? Every time you look at him, man, there's that guy. But despised by men today, he's in the best place of his life. Why? Because he's loved by God and he's closer to Jesus now than he ever was. And this morning... Many of us are more like Mike than we dare to say. We cover things up. There's things going on on the inside that nobody else knows about. And we think that we're fooling people, except we're not fooling the Lord. We're going to our time of invitation, and we're going to sing that song. Because the words of that song are 100% factual. Worship in spirit and in truth. So, you want to hear a real healing story? A brother named Anant in India. Listen to this recent story. Born into a Hindu family, his grandmother took him to church. His mom and dad didn't know the Lord. His brother didn't know the Lord. But sometimes he went to church with his grandma because his grandma got saved later in life. Goes to college, gets a job, focused on making money. He became ill. He was sick. No one came to see him. He was laid up in a hospital bed. He could not move. He was severely ill. He was dying. Then he remembered Jesus. He remembered the gospel that he heard going to church with his grandma. He confessed his sin. He committed his life to Christ. Little by little, his health began to improve. He was able to get his grandmother's Bible. He began to read it. He began to learn about the Lord. Slowly and steadily, his health improved. By this time, his father went to jail, the main breadwinner in the family. So he had to take care of his mom and his brother. Well, he began to share the gospel with them. Within a year, they received, both, both received the Lord. Then they began to pray for their dad. Now, their dad was in jail because he was wrongly accused by his business partner. So they began to pray for dad that justice would happen. After two months of intense prayer, the courts understood his father was innocent. They released him to go home. Soon after that, Anot's father received the Lord. In broken English, this is what he said. I got this in an email from India recently. We knew that there is no other God in this world who can understand us and take and care for us. Please pray for me and family. We are witnessing Jesus whenever we get opportunity. A young lady by the name of Kelsey Lancaster in Memphis. 
She was diagnosed with leukemia. Today, she is 100% cancer-free. Her leukemia is what drove her to the Lord. She came to know Christ through having leukemia, from having to suffer every week, have chemo run through her body every single week. And through that suffering, she realized that she was lost and she didn't know Jesus. And the Lord saved her. She's on fire for the Lord. She served at Camp Garraway as a counselor in Clinton. This morning, Jesus is in the house. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. You can't fool him, friend. And yet, even though the Lord knows all the secrets, he knows all the darkness, he still is madly in love with you. He wants you to come with him. And so would you come this morning, just as you are, as we seek this man who can heal anything. Let's pray.